Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson, and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. I think the biggest mistake of a leader is not to listen and and not to try to understand and look at things from a different perspective. Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by Sabir Zazai. Sabir is the CEO of Scottish Refugee Council. He joined me recently to talk about leadership, culture and purpose and the lessons he's learned while developing his career. Sabir shared his story of living in a refugee camp in Afghanistan as a young boy before arriving in the UK and being welcomed into the community in Coventry. Sabir is now the chief executive of Scottish Refugee Council. He shared his journey into leadership and his thoughts on what it takes to build bridges across differences. It's such an inspiring story and you can find details of how to get involved in this episode. Thank you for joining us today, Spear. It's really great to have you with us. I'm delighted to speak with you, Amy. I'm looking forward to hearing a lot more about your story. So first question, can you tell us about the organisation that you lead, please, and what you're working towards? Yeah, so, well, it's a, it's a real privilege and honour of my life to be uh, involved in such an exciting organisation with a fantastic team of people, all committed to help and support people fleeing conflicts around the world uh, to help them rebuild lives here in Scotland. Um, so our aim is very much to to help people through that process of uh, asylum, uh, integration. Uh, so is, is that kind of like, yeah, the three key areas of uh, protection, well-being and rights uh, for people who, who arrive in Scotland from uh, conflicts around the world life as a refugee is never easy you leave everything behind um, you lose everything you once had due to no mistake of your own and all of a sudden you arrive in a very strange country where everything is so different including the language and the weather too there are real barriers for refugees and asylum seekers that are coming to the uk i spent some time teaching english to refugees and asylum seekers many years ago and some of the stories that you hear are absolutely heartbreaking but i think in terms of the thing that most endeared me was the spirit. Mm-hmm. So those those individuals, they, they do come to this country and they want to make a new start for a period of time before they can then return to their, their home country. And so in terms of the challenges that you're facing as a leader of that kind of organisation, there must be numerous challenges, not least volume of people that need your help. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think it's, a, it's not... A... A matter of running an organization is um, external engagement and influences. I think the key in this is public support, uh, uh-huh. making sure uh, policies that have been developed are responding to the needs of people seeking protection, but also to the needs of the communities that welcome them and influencing policy to ensure it withstands the, the global challenges that we all face. Uh, so. Yes, I think it's a role where, like any other leader or CEO, you have to make sure you look after your team and that they're all supported and that they have a clear direction and that they're all aligned to that direction. But at the same time, you have to do something similar externally as well. You've you've sort of like, you've got these number of interfaces uh, from government to public, local communities to councils and others, uh, to even individuals as well, because this is not about one person or one organization. And I keep saying this, 
And uh, my motto in this is that when people are forced to flee their home, when their lives are turned upside down, it takes all of us to work together mm-hmm. to help them rebuild their lives and safety and dignity. It's not the work of, I mean, the Scottish Refugee Council has got the specialism in that area. Mm-hmm. But we cannot do that without a faith community organization opening their doors to welcome people. We cannot do that from the many people across the UK opening their doors to welcome people fleeing the conflict in Ukraine, Afghanistan, Syria, and others. So it's about all of us. Refugee support services or refugee supporting organizations, whether that is Scottish Refugee Council and anyone else across the UK, they're not external to our society. They're part and parcel of our social fabric. Mm -hmm. They're part of our civil society and an important part of it because our civil society is built on the values of compassion, care and love and offering the stranger and the vulnerable that protection and support. Absolutely. I was looking through your profile. I can see it's it's your life's work, this, isn't it? It's, It's something that you've been passionate about and something that you've always, always advocated for and always worked within. Can you talk to us a little bit about your journey, please, Sabir? Yes, I think clearly repeat what has been said by many that I've, I've taken a full circle. So I was born in Afghanistan and, um, yeah, lived a happy life with my family as a, as a young boy. We weren't rich, but there was peace and we were happy with what we had. Uh, all of a sudden, everything changed. And um, uh, from a happy life with our family, uh, we ended up in a, a refugee camp in the eastern uh, part of Afghanistan uh, in a city called Jalalabad. And there uh, I was really excited by the prospects of living in a tent because I thought, well, that is holiday and camping maybe. But living in a tent in a refugee camp turned into weeks, months and years. Uh, the family ended up staying there for about 10 years. And then life became unbearable. After that time, I I had to hit the road to get to a safer place, a place where I can prosper and do well and be safe like any other teenager. Um, so there was no opportunities. And the only opportunity was to take side in a war, in a brutal, deadly war. So when, when we became displaced um, initially, I was I was in year seven. So I was wow. in primary seven. That was the only education I've had. So uh, eventually, in December 99, I arrived in the UK in the back of a lorry. And there were a number of us who were kept in a detention place for several nights. And then we were split, split into groups to be dispersed dispersed across the, the UK. And I still remember the Home Office lady coming to our group and saying, uh, with a smile, uh, that you lots will be sent to Coventry. <laughs> it took me two years to work out what that smile meant. <laughs> uh, so, um, yes, I'm, I'm just thinking back now, Amy, and I'm just thinking, had I arrived today under the Illegal Migration Act, yeah. uh, I'd be threatened to be sent to Rwanda or sent back to the conflict or uh-huh. and not given the chance to even claim asylum here in the UK. So in Coventry, I found compassion, protection, love, and support. So arriving with seven years of formal education, I've not had much to, to build upon. 
And some might say I arrived with nothing, but I do strongly believe that I arrived with my dreams and hopes. And those dreams and hopes enabled me to make a new start and make new friends mm -hmm. uh, and start rebuilding my life in a time of profound fear and uncertainty. And I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. And sometimes even now as well, I don't know what is happening. <laughs> but I, I didn't give up. And, yeah. uh, and I think the biggest thing for me that I've had was my dreams and hopes for a better life. Uh, and I worked so hard for it. Uh, as soon as I got my status, uh, I was working, volunteering, learning. I'm still learning English, but I'd started learning the language. And uh, uh, I wanted to go to university like all other young men and women. Mm -hmm. um, but the university said, well, you don't have any prerequisites. And I still remember that word. Uh, you don't have GCSEs, A-levels, and others. So what do I do for that? Well, the only way is you could do something called an access course. So I went and did that. That took a while. Um, went back to the university in Coventry uh, and did my first degree in business and human resource management. Incredible. Um, and then worked. I did quite a lot in the community development uh, and community relations. And there were several questions in my head. And I thought, well, I could do this over maybe a master's course. I then did a master's degree at Coventry University in, in uh, community cohesion management. And I never looked back. I think it just all kick-started from there. I think I'm not unique in any way. Every person arriving is special and they bring something really special with them to their communities. Mm -hmm. What we need to do and that is so important. What we need to do is, as a society, to treat them as human beings, to treat them as people, people like us, and people with hopes and aspirations, and invest in those hopes and dreams and aspirations. And everyone will, will be giving back. So before I left Coventry, I was privileged to be leading an organization that I once received support from. That's incredible. But you say that with such humility, Sabir, and I, I, and I recognize and respect that. But I think for what, when you say you're still learning English, for me to, to go and study in Farsi, it would be almost uh, not impossible, I'm sure, but beyond the realms of, of my imagination right mm -hmm. now. I, but you say it with such humility, and I, I'm really interested to understand what you feel helped you achieve that is it is it your character and your spirit and the grit that helped you achieve that when you say you're not unique i respect that but in the same way that not everybody is achieving the success that you've achieved with the same story i think what really helped me and, and there, was, there was my part there was the society's part so it's not only me it would be wrong if i said i've got some kind of a special power and, uh -huh. and so on. I get that. Um, there were times where i thought i'll, I'll give up there were times where I, I hoped I'd just get deported back to my family because I just oh. missed them. Um, so from my part, I think there was a clear choice. I mean, I could just sit down in a corner of my asylum accommodation and just be worried and mm -hmm. miss my family. The other side was that I just go out and be involved, volunteer, or just help and say hi to someone and, and be engaged. So I think I made a list of clear priorities so the message to not just refugees, but anyone else, because we all hit crisis points in our lives. Mm -hmm. 
I think in any crisis, it's important to have a plan. And that plan doesn't have to be anything else. It needs to be what is the most important for you to do? What do you need to prioritize? What are the two or three things that you need to prioritize to help you get out of that situation? So for me, it was my education. It was my social connections and contact. It was learning about my new home, how things work here. And I think that was intriguing and it got me busy. I would listen to BBC Radio 4. I will not understand half of the programs, but if I understand one, that will really help me. Yeah. Um, I'll read things. I won't understand them, but it was just I just got into that habit. And uh, I think that prioritization of what you need to focus on in that crisis, I think, is, is, is really helped me if I look back. But then people play a big, big part. And, uh, you know, sometimes we think we do things ourselves, but people play a big part. And um, I know some of your listeners might find this a bit strange, but I was really close to my grandmother and uh, she would always pray for me. She was a very pious person praying five times. And I still remember the prayer and her prayer wasn't anything else, nothing like may you become the chief executive of Scottish Refugee Council or anything like that. But she always said, look, my son, may you always come across good people. And that was so profound. And yeah. I feel like I've always come across good people. And good people do play a big part yeah, in helping you transition um, into, into a situation. We all go through difficulties in our lives. Um, I think how important it is just to sit down for a coffee with a relative or a friend and talk things through. I, mean, I know you cannot talk to the world about mm -hmm. your problems. But if you trust someone and you've not spoken with them for a while and you're going through a difficult time, pick up the phone, mm -hmm. give them a call and go to a nice cafe. It will change things. I mean, I've, I've had so many people that I spoke with like this in that process. And I'm so grateful to all of them. I think what really mattered in those conversations and those friendships was that they treated me like the person that I was. I wasn't a label refugee or asylum seeker, I was severe. I was treated as a Coventarian. I was treated as, as a person from that community. And that, that really helped my confidence uh, because when people are displaced from their homes, it's their dignity and confidence that is affected. Mm -hmm. If you look back and think about that really striking and sad image of a child on the beach, Island Kurdi, we saw a child on a beach without his dignity and without his life. And we all were, the world was shook by that image. I think world leaders then say we need to do more to help mm -hmm. Syrian refugees. And um, I think, yeah, it's just that restoring that confidence and dignity. And, and people played a big part in that. The, the other thing that it was part on me, but also society was also that I said, I could be a stranger here. I could continue to say, I've come from Afghanistan and I'm here yeah, looking for life. But I think this, this is as much as my home as anyone else's. I don't want to be an outsider or a stranger. <laughs> and if I really want to do well in, in this society, I want to learn the language. I want to be able to learn about work and, um, and so on. Uh, and a lot of things I picked up from volunteering and work because you, you you might go on a course about the British culture, but you don't learn everything. 
Uh-huh. But in work, you do because I've got instances which are probably funny as well because um, I, I didn't know that in the UK you go to uh, a leaving do or a birthday party and you pay for your own drinks and food. So, <laughs> so I remember going to the first work do in Coventry uh, and I turned up without my wallet and I was like, so they said, well, a tenner each. I was like, what does that mean? And said, well, you have to pay for it. And I said, oh, well, okay. It was a learning, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I now want to make sure each time I go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but in Afghanistan, if somebody invites you to their birthday, they're, they're the host. So you don't uh-huh. have to do anything. <laughs> Maybe things have changed there as well. But that's how we were, we were brought up. I learned quite a lot of things at, at work as well, and and people giving me those opportunities that was that was great. Oh yeah, fantastic. My next question is often: tell me about your journey into leadership. Was it quite an organic process, or with that spirit and those aspirations that you arrived in the UK with? Did you think you were going to be a chief executive one day? Was that the plan, or was it about getting involved and making a difference? No, no, I think. When I jumped off that lorry, I think if somebody had said to me, you will become a chief executive of Scottish Refugee Council or another organization, I might have jumped back into the lorry. <laughs> no, I didn't. Nope. When but did it happen? I think it's, it's that kind of like, there, there is something really great that can happen. I think for me, it was that opportunity to turn my own suffering into hope for others. Uh-huh. I think I was a sort of like you you become a trusted person in the community first of all so people ask you questions advice and others and then you get into this kind of like yeah turning your own experiences into into hope for to help others through through that complex journey of asylum and integration so i think the other thing also is that there is some some great stuff about leadership that really resonated with my own understanding and i think as a leader, you don't have to be perfect, uh, and I'm not perfect, uh, and no human beings are perfect, and so aren't leaders. So, uh, so I think, in a sense, it was that kind of like connection between my own circumstances and values, uh, and also the values that are so profoundly connected with with leadership. So, so I was, uh, and, and I think it's. It's again going to your sort of like title in a way of a human leader or, or CEO. And, and I think it was that understanding that I have is that we all have our qualities, but we all have our flaws and shortcomings. And by focusing on sort of like improving and making yeah things better for ourselves, we could at the same time help and support others to have a clear direction, focus. Um, so, so I think it's, it's being on that journey and and having that common purpose that that helped me to get into to this this area. Uh, it wasn't planned at all, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and and so on that journey, then was there a piece of advice that somebody gave you that helped shape your leadership style, or was it instinctual? Where did your style come from? I think partly is the journey. I think yeah. I think it's the circumstances and what I've gone through that has shaped shaped who I am today. Uh, it's, it's the experiences, the hardship, the opportunities, the challenges, all of them put together has turned me into, into the person that I am now. Um, I think 
there has been lots of things that people people have said to me and they've they've really resonated with me and I've learned a lot from I mean I believe in people I believe every person is is like a book there's yeah chapters there's yeah and so yeah I've come across some great people and and they've all I've I've learned from them all and and one thing that has has really resonated with me which I picked up I think it was is that kind of like relationship where if, if you are on a mission and and trying to make something happen or transform society world or whatever you can only do that when there's a room for doing it head to head as well but is that heart to heart is really really important uh, yeah. so i think is a lot of messages have come from the the journey uh, because in a sense for me we we are in a business of offering people sanctuary and protection mm-hmm. uh, and i strongly believe that i cannot offer safety protection and respect to refugees unless i instill those qualities within my team mm-hmm. so it's like being on a plane and reaching out to help someone else before helping yourself yeah. so yeah. it's that kind of concept of making sure that yeah the team is supported first so that yeah. they they feel supported to then welcome and offer protection and sanctuary and safety to to refugees so i think it's the journey but people as well have have learned a lot in this this process yeah. fantastic so you mentioned the leaving party and your your learning of the cultural differences but in terms of your learnings and your leadership journey a question i always like to ask not Everybody likes to answer it, so feel free to skip this one. But I'm always really interested in what would be on your blooper reel. What mistakes have you made from a leadership perspective that you've learned from that you could share for others to learn from? I think the biggest mistake of a leader is not to listen and and not to try to understand and look at things from a different perspective. We all have our own evidence base. We all have our own beliefs. But I think as a leader you're not a manager you're not operationalizing things we do all have that tendency to be even involved in drafting an agenda for a big conference yeah. but i think as a leader it, i'm constantly reminded that whilst because i i started off from a very hands-on volunteering there's always that kind of tendency to be too close to things but i think there is magic the magic in leadership is to have ideas and clear vision and aligning people to that direction and vision that you have clearly communicating it and then things happen so it took me some time to uh, balance between that operational uh, and leadership role and uh, and i think yeah again i'd say a, a real privilege to be surrounded by so many great people within Scottish refugee council but the wider uh refugee support sector as well where we all work together but i think the key in any leadership role is to make sure you allow time to to hear your colleagues uh, you may not always agree but i think the biggest mistake would be not to not to listen and not to communicate clearly your your own vision uh, yeah. and values absolutely mm-hmm. and and in your leadership journey has there have you come across leaders past or present, famous or otherwise, that are particularly inspirational to you, that you've taken something maybe from their style or how they operate? So 
I, I don't believe in supermen or, or <laughs> yep. super, well I believe in some super women but <laughs> <laughs> yeah for me uh, yeah there, there are people that I I, I respect and uh, I think they're world leaders and, and others there are some that have set up global examples for all of us to follow in humanity from prophets to world leaders and, and others but I think for me is yeah there's i've learned a lot from examples of people who are uh, who've come across difficult decisions i follow politics very closely i know it's not very inspiring nowadays but i think i've i was quite struck by uh, president obama's voice and 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 commitment maybe he never delivered on everything he said but i think there was that clarity in that vision and communicating it's so i really connected with that, where I felt like, you know, we all plan things. Maybe, the, maybe he's also had his flaws and shortcomings. But I think he was, he he was very succinct, clear, mm-hmm. and to the point, and um, somebody that you can listen to. You know, we we've got lots of world leaders, and it will be a nightmare listening to them for two minutes. Yes, but I think there was that kind of instinct, and and especially when I listened to his speech to the. Uh, to, to the House of Commons and Westminster. It's like linking back history and then future challenges and younger generation is, is also, yeah, inspiring. There's an element of the storytelling, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. To, be, to be a great orator, yeah. I think that yeah. that's what Obama yeah. brought to the table as well. Yeah. 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 So he, he tells a good story and I think stories are very important. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. speaking of uh, stories, that's quite a nice segue into my next question. Yeah. I always want to understand what leaders are reading or consuming. So yeah. whether it's a documentary or another podcast or a book, yeah. what, what's been influential for you that you could share that might help people that are listening? So I I listen to uh, to the rest is politics. I listen to Empire. I love the the history and 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 I think what I like about the 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 rest is politics is how Rory Stewart and um, and Alistair Campbell agree on things because I'm I'm a I'm a, a, a peacemaker and I'm a I love building bridges across differences. And I think that to me is is brilliant. I come from a society where human beings fell out profoundly to a point where they picked up guns. And I think, yeah, politics and a society should be about, yes, we should have disagreements, but I think what I've picked up from if you've said what what really helped you in that, that podcast, that what one is I get updates on where things are at. I think if if there's one key learning from it is is disagreeing agreeably <laughs> and, and that that is really really important uh, i think if we only disagree agreeably we'll have less tension less issues less blood pressure mm-hmm. and you name it uh, but i think we we take the word forgiveness or forgiving or agreeing or or finding solutions for granted i think it's a gift in a way to come to an agreement with with someone that you disagree with I think we usually approach issues from the points that we disagree on. But I think if, if we approach it from at least one thing that we agree on and how do you use that as a foundation to find agreements with other things. So that is brilliant. And that is what I, I listen to. I know some people might say how boring. But <laughs> uh, I think in terms of books, I've, I've read quite a, a lot of books 
but uh, I think again you might say you're just using one one example but I think I was uh, again because of the story because I've got a story and then I read someone's uh, story and again it was Obama's dreams from my father and, and it's so resonating in terms of the journey it is a different journey he's taken uh, but but it was it was inspiring it was somebody with all those challenges and so on and then getting to that level there was there was a really profound story in there but i've i've read other books as well and uh, i do do read quite a lot i'm now on the the diary of the uh, ceo all very captivating and uh, I, I like things when there is a bit of connection and um, and you see yourself in in that story and journey and so yes i think that's that's what what i'm at in terms of reading and listening fantastic thank yeah. you just going back to your disagreeing agreeably i think fundamentally it goes back to you, you can't disagree agreeably without having listened to each other and yeah. that, that goes back to your the fundamental of how you build those bridges yeah 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 and no, i think yeah that is that is yes yeah, it's, it's important to to focus on on coming to to an understanding i've I've come across people in my own work where we've we've disagreed hundred percent there has been points where i feel i felt like there's nothing i find in common with this person mm-hmm. but you will be amazed that there's at least one thing that you have in common yeah. and how do you then come to it so so recently i came across someone where we we disagreed on everything about the uk's asylum an immigration policy. So this person would say, shut doors. And I was like, no, well, we, my story and the stories of others, yeah. we, we, we have our traditions of welcome, hospitality and so on. But then we, we found at least one area where we thought, oh, here's an agreement. And said, okay, we disagree on A, we disagree on B, we disagree on C, but there is one thing that we agree on. Uh, how do we come to an understanding on the other areas too, uh, and it, it was it was it was amazing how, as human beings, we we I think sometimes we just make our own judgments as well. Mm-hmm. Both sides would say I have nothing to talk to this person about, but then we're wrong. There's yeah. always something. Absolutely, yeah. I would agree. And so, in terms of the organisation, so what's going to be happening over the next six, nine, twelve months? How can people get involved? Mm-hmm. Who are you looking to speak to? Can you tell us a bit about? the organization itself and what's happening yes. right now uh, so um over the last year we spent quite a bit of time to uh, develop a new strategic plan uh, working with with all our stakeholders and we're fortunate in a really challenging and uncertain time uh, to come up with a robust and bold uh, and ambitious uh, strategy for the next five years and within that there is a an overarching strategic objective of making sure that over the next five years Scotland continues to be an open welcoming place for refugees to have their rights and 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 to prosper so that role as I said at the beginning as well that is for all of us the whole society how can we work together to uh, welcome people um, who who find themselves in a similar situation like myself and and others that we've welcomed so people can get involved in our work in many ways, we've got job opportunities. Uh, we always are on the look for new skills and new talents to join our organization. And um, we've got volunteering opportunities with us, but we also try to find volunteers for other refugee uh, uh, organizations as well in Scotland. So 
there's lots of volunteering opportunities too. Um, you could become a member of uh, Scottish Refugee Council, and details of that are on our website. So uh, becoming a member will keep you updated on our campaigns and our journey and what is happening in that sphere. Um, you can uh, offer to donate uh, to help support our work, but then support people seeking protection too. There's hosting schemes and other ways where people can offer to host people seeking protection. The details of those are on our website as well. I think there's a whole section of how can you get involved in our work. But our work is not external to Scotland. It's not external to the UK. As I said at the beginning, it's part and parcel of our values and our social fabric. Uh, and our hospitality is owned by all of us and I think it takes uh, all of our collective efforts to make sure we continue to be a welcoming place for people fleeing conflicts, uh, human rights violations and persecution around the world. Fantastic, thank you and we'll put all the links in the in the show notes as well so people know where to, to find you and how to get involved but it's, a bit, it's been amazing speaking with you, I really I really enjoyed it, I found really really inspiring and I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you very much, thanks a lot. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to find out more about building a great workplace culture and to understand how effective your organisational culture is, click the link in the show notes or go to culturescore.recruithuman.co.uk.